Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. This is the MLR Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbisero, joined by Rob Hoadley, former US MLR Coach of the Year, and Todd Clever, USA rugby legend, the most cap eagle, and the first ever USA rugby player to play super rugby. Lads, round 10 of the MLRs in the books. Um, maybe not quite as close to finish as some of the other rounds that we've had with some of the results, but what did you think? Yeah, I mean, overall, we're having uh, some conferences, you know, West Coast versus East Coast conference battles. And, uh, you know, you know how tight it's been on the East Coast. And there's some uh, some separation coming on from the from the West Coast. And then some of the uh, same teams that are kind of trailing, uh, holding down the couple bottom spots, unfortunately. But uh, but no, let's uh, let's definitely, uh, you know, get into it. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the on the, on the whole MLR uh, round 10 hodes? Well, that's the thing, Todd, isn't it? It's like uh, now we've got the playoffs on our minds, right? It's, it's got to that time of the season. And it, reality is we've probably lost two teams. So I think probably Houston and Seattle, it's, too, it's a bridge too far for them now. Uh, the East is just amazing to watch because if you go on a run of three games, you're gonna, you can go from bottom to top. And if you lose three games, you go from top to bottom. So that's absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, and it's just it's just becoming so interesting to see now who's who's uh, uh, how it's all shaking out, and who can go on that elusive three or four match run that will really uh, push you uh, into playoff contention. We're gonna wait till afterwards after the um, you know at, talking about all the games. But since you kind of touch on it, I mean that's exactly right. I mean this East Coast and West Coast you know rivalry that we've had in any sport in any you know rap in any you know you name it. There's there's gonna be some sort of rivalry uh, there. But I mean East Coast is just you know out of this world. I mean, how, how close they are, how competitive they are. And they're, and they're beating the West Coast teams, you know, week in, week out. So, I mean, uh, minus, uh, minus the LA, that's, that's holding it down strong. I mean, Corbs, what, uh, what are you thinking? Honestly, I, I think it's great for the sport. I think that the East is you know, must-see TV because it's going to go down to the wire where I think the West is, you know, a bit more decided with LA right at the top. But then I think that Utah... Austin, and I know Rob wants to get onto it because he still believes it could happen. San Diego sort of runoff there is very fascinating to see who falls down there. For me, I'm going to throw it to you lads first, but if you look at the East and you had to pick two teams now, who would you pick? I'll go Rob first. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, are you, tr are you trying to make me look stupid? Because this is the easiest question around to make someone look stupid at the moment. Because <laughs> like two weeks later. I just want your, want your take from what you've seen. Because oh, I could yeah. give you mine that right now if you want. I've looked yeah. at it. I think uh, I'd have to go ATL and Rooney. I think ATL are just so well drilled and they're so consistent. Um, I do think the coaching's on a great level there. I think um, Scott's done, Scott Lawrence done a great job. Uh, everyone knows their roles and you can see that and that makes such a big difference and they're playing the same way each week, the same framework with tweaks, uh, not searching for a different answer each week. Nola's a funny, uh, a funny uh, case because they've looked really bad in parts. 
you know, they were awful against Toronto. Uh, they were in the first half, but came back brilliantly. They were terrible against Legion. Didn't even get off the bus. Uh, and then they look bad at parts against you for the top of the East. And <laughs> we're saying the East is so competitive. So again, we've, we've, they've still got major players out. They've got Coleman and Mayer out. So we always have recency bias, right? So um, despite them being at the top, they haven't probably looked as good as they can do. But stick Coleman and Meyer back in there and, and that could completely change the conversation. Toronto could still go on a run. If Toronto had actual home games, I would still say they were they were well in it. But without the home games, it's tough. Um, but at the moment, and maybe it's recency bias, but I, I, I'd say Rooney and ATL. And they're playing in very different ways, which we'll, we'll look at as well, which is really interesting. That Todd, Todd knows those off, off air, me and him spoke, those are my two as well. And I hadn't spoken with you, so I'm chuffed that you think that as well. I, I think from looking at it, that to me on the East, th those are the two teams that show me the most that they're the real contenders. I'm just seeing the most signs from those two. I think Rooney, um, you know, it's interesting. We'll get into the Rooney game, but actually the ability they have yeah. to play multiple styles, uh, as you can see, I think. And then Atlanta's framework to me just, just puts them ahead. But let's look at the West, all right? And this is the other bit I wanted to talk about before we get into the games. Uh, Todd knows as well. All right, you've got LA at the top, and I think it's pretty safe to say there's a strong chance they're going to qualify for the playoffs now. I think with their points, it's I don't know, it's not impossible yet, but it's getting closer. That two spot. Who are, we, who are you all picking for that two spot? Let's go. Let's go Todd first. Who's your number two? It's got to be between Austin, uh, Utah, and San Diego. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going through uh, the Lone Star State. I'm going to go Austin. I mean, uh, the burnt orange. I mean, I just think, you know, we take out those grinds, and it's uh, when, when things are going to get tough, uh, I think defense and enough grim and... Uh, you know, d disinfectant with Hode's, uh, you know, wordage uh, to uh, to come across and, and be that number two. So I think both uh, both Gilly uh, Gilcrest teams are going through. I, I I think. Well, look, I'll give it to you here. So Austin, I've been waiting Austin, for this all week. Austin Get it out. Add layers onto their attack because here, here's my prediction. I think it will be LA, Austin, Legion, Utah, and I think uh, Legion could overtake Austin into second as well. Again, this isn't actually really based on anything Legion have done so far, but they are so explosive, they can score points and they can score tries. So that if they win, they can get five pointers. Austin aren't getting five pointers, and they're, they're really, they, look, they played against a very good defence in LA, but they need to add onto their attack. If they do so, they, they, with their consistency, they can stay ahead. But it's only a six point gap at the moment. Legion still have to play Austin and they still have to play Utah. Um, so I think the I think second is between Legion and you, uh, and Austin. Here's another question for you: Which conference is a stronger conference? I think the East Coast is a more competitive conference, but I feel like the top two in the West, like Austin, have beat most of the yeah. most of the East. LA lost to New York, but I, I feel like the West have the stronger teams. I, I know yeah. people are going to say I'm biased. I go yeah. to LA. I do. But I'm trying to be as impartial as possible and an analytical. Uh, like, that's what I feel is I feel like the, the two best teams or the two potentially most successful yeah. teams are and in the so West. And, Legion, and I completely agree with you that if Legion get their act together, they'll yes. cause people troubles. A few big signings coming in. 
they win the games they need to hit the form to actually be in the position to run into the playoffs and get some big wins could easily do it and fully yeah. staffed up with a couple more international pieces yeah. added in could definitely trouble LA with the ball carriers and the threats they have and and the kicking game and stuff as well so I, I see I know you, we, we've talked a lot but I know you see a pathway for Legion and I am I just got to see we, it all comes down to how they look against Houston for me I want them to turn up and just be Legion of old yeah. and I'm like you know what I see it because Austin massive I talked about last week but massive red flag around their red yeah. red zone conversion like got to be looking at yourselves in the coaching room thinking yeah. we've got to fix this lads like we are controlling games out the wazoo the amount of time we're camped in the 22 to the points we get back you know it's got to be so out of whack that they've got to address that they just need to offer more because really when it goes go doesn't go well they just go yeah. drive more drive more drive more picking like and just do more of what they do and i think they just need a bit more diversity and and layers to trouble teams in the 22 and it, sorry, just right. on that, Corbs, even more than that, this is the interesting point. East is by far stronger, in my opinion, at the moment. I think everyone would agree that, right? However, if it was the semi finals were both East v West, if it was, and it would be great, I think the West would win both. Because I don't see I don't see an East Coast team beating Austin in a, in a big game. And if it's not Austin, Let's say, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Utah here, but let's say it's Legion and Legion have come through to second, which means they're on a, a steaming roll and then they've yep. knocked off Utah, they've knocked off Austin and they've charged up the league. You're going to back a team to, to beat that uh, stacked Legion's team that's on a roll in a semi? So that at the moment, I think that the East is by far better, by far more competitive, but... I think the top two uh, in the West are going to end up being bloody strong in the playoffs. It's a shame we don't get to see those matchups. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you guys, listen, I think the East is the more competitive and more teams that are good. And I kind of agree with you that the best two teams, or I agree with Rob that the best two teams are in the West. And, and by the end of the season, I think the gap will be closer. I know we keep saying that, but Legion coming into the mix has got to happen. I, I want to. We've got to see this Houston game, but then we'll, we'll we'll see where we're at. But I think it's time to actually get into the breakdowns, get into the games. Todd, you are you are the master at setting these games up. Uh, let's bang on with the first one. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Round 10, MLR Breakdown. We had a midweek game, the first midweek game of the season, and it was uh, Austin hosting LA for the first uh, Gillies Cup. I mean, I don't know if it's even named, but uh, Gilcrest's babies uh, were having at it. And you know what? LA uh, went down there on a short turnaround, traveled down there, played them tough, and uh, came away with a 17-3 victory. Um, held them without scoring a try. Good crowd, good atmosphere, great defense. Austin's just not finishing what they had. 
Um, Coors, I'm going to toss it to you. What are your uh, What were your thoughts on that game? Uh, it was a, man, it was an arm wrestle. Uh, I think you know it was a good win for LA. I think they showed some layers to their game and to be able to play a team like Austin and some of the defensive plays they had and some of the um, defensive sets they had where they held out in their 22. I thought was impressive the amount they kicked well. I think at times they out sterilized the sterilizers, which was good. But at the same time, they left a lot of opportunities out there in that first half. You know, only two tries. It didn't come from the most exciting rugby that you get expect them. So you've got to credit Austin with that. Uh, the set piece was a tussle. I thought LA were better at the scrum. I thought Austin had a good go at the mall. Uh, they denied LA a few more opportunities as well, which I thought was very good from them. And, and uh, you know, it was competitive, even though the scoreline maybe doesn't uh, reflect it. And as we've already talked a little bit earlier i think austin will be kicking themselves with uh, the lack of conversion for some of the sets they had down in la's 22. yeah i agree i think um it was interesting to see the la attack against a little bit more defensive pressure um austin did have some success uh, early on and, and something you don't normally see uh goddard box kicking from inside the austin half and he kicked he kicked out and that's a sign that the Austin were having success, so they wanted to kick the ball away. Burton kicked straight out as well. Um, uh, and then another thing, they actually were forcing drops from the LA team, which is very rare as well. LA are very good at running hard onto the ball and getting the game line. I mean, if you watch, if you take any two minutes of LA attack during the whole season, they'll win 99% of contacts. But in this in this game, they've got the defence coming up at them. Lindsay Stevens dropped one, uh, a two, I think. Dave Dennis dropped one. And even Gitto dropped one on halfway. And this is classic Austin, lads, because Gitto drops one on halfway. Austin pick it up. De Haas puts a beautiful kick in behind. And now all of a sudden there's a line out 10 metres from LA's line. And then uh, De Chavez and, um, and, and Ross can get up and challenge. So they were having success there, Austin. And then the next thing to look at is, well, how do LA break that defence down? And the interesting thing I, I felt was that they, they started going to the second playmaker out the back, like we talked about last week. So the second playmaker sits so deep that he's in a bubble. Defenders can't get, get to him he's, because he's that deep. Uh, and Burton had a lovely moment where he, uh, he cross-kicked because the, the wings got narrow. We, we talked about that last week. Um, and then if you look at that first try, it came from, uh, they broke the defensive line down with uh, a Gitto grubber. It was a, it was a counter-attack, Gitto grubbered, they retrieved it, and then they went uh, nine phases, one minute, 20 seconds. So how do you go nine minutes, one minute, 20 seconds against such a good defence? Well, you win, you get way over the gain line on the first phase, which what they did with the grubber kick, so now the defence is always retreating. After they're retreating, they play to Meeks out the back in the same way they'd done to Burton earlier. Meeks plays a lovely um, over-the-top ball. Oh, no, sorry, that was earlier that he went over the top. In the try case, in fact, when they got to that uh, strike 30 metres from... Uh, a ruck 30 metres meters from the uh, touchline, it was Burton playing a four-man play as first receiver. And because it was quick ball the whole time, the Austin defence, you can see on the video, they're retreating rather than coming forward. So again, it was easy gain line. Then when it works its way back out to the right, it's the exact same picture. Gitto playing first receiver with a four-man shot and a backing off defence. Eventually, they're over the gain line. Lindsay Stephen uh, does his um, tugboat impression turns around and scores, uh, gets the try. So he's had two great contributions against New York, setting one up and, and, and here. Um, so, so 
LA, that was a great way of breaking it down. Another one that featured in the game was the, the, the picking goes. Cottrell got a line break picking and go down, down the wide channels because Austin already trying to fill the width. He obviously created the try for Ryberg by picking and go through the middle. So that's another great way of breaking down the great width and line speed of the Austin defence. No, I agree, mate. I thought the way they kept hold of the ball from all the way inside their 22 that left to that grubber from Gitto that led to the first try was very impressive because a lot of people know LA as, a, as you know, a first phase fancy attack team, but to add the layers to go those nine phases, the whole length of the field, and then the composure to finish it, I thought, I thought was positive and, too. And it's just interesting. It was nine phases and Austin had line speed, real line speed on zero of those nine phases. So it shows how important it is winning that first gain line and get them retreating and then play fast, fast, fast so they, they can't ever recover. Uh, and then Corbs, I think, and Todd, uh, we've got to look at, we've got to look at the Austin attack. Um, I mean, again, we've got to look at both sides of it. You've got to play your best rugby against LA, but uh, then Hoot gets a strip, uh, Cottrell gets a strip, um, they tr they, they, and it was very simple rugby. It's one off a lot. They pl tried to play wider at one stage, and LA don't really commit. Ash Ashley Cooper just keeps the shape, drifts off with the centres, and then he goes and counter rucks and gets a turnover in the wide channel. Um, so they're very good at timing that. But Austin were poor at getting uh, their support to to the ruck. I think. Just leading on from that, I think quite a telling moment uh, happened on when Poydevin got his breakdown steal. If you look at that. That was eight phases of Austin attack, and it kind of sums them up in attack. Uh, they went, not, I'm not saying like loads of passes is the key in attack, but this is how those eight phases went. Two passes, and when I say two passes, it's literally nine to ten to a forward, no movement. So it went two passes, two passes, one pass, two passes, two passes, one pass, one pass, two passes. And the only time there was any movement was the final play. They, two passes, they did a bit of movement. And as soon as they did the movement, they got isolated at the breakdown and Poydivin steals it. And I just think it kind of sums up the Austin attack. Um, they're so structured. They're so rigid in, in defence. They, they're great on the kick chase and, and bossing the territory. Um, but they haven't got a lot of variation attack. They don't ask a lot of questions. Uh, they kind of just, they just batter you to death. Uh, and LA did a great job of standing up to it. And I think, you know, we were discussing earlier what's going to happen in the leagues. They've got to, just got to be a bit careful because Utah can score a lot of tries and, and Legion can score a lot of tries on, on their day. So, uh, you know, that's something where they may have to, they may have to get a bit more expansive in, in, in terms of trying to score tries. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to ask questions because if they want to hold on to that second spot, which they're uh, basically tied with uh, Utah, they got to score some tries and, and get some wins. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks for them. This week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. Utah made the trip out to New Orleans uh, and uh, just bit of a shootout of a game. Um, what a crowd it was in New Orleans. Nola came away with a great victory, 29 to 24. Utah got that bonus point, so they're definitely right in, in, in the mix of things, but Nola coming through and uh, they're playing some good rugby in front of some good fans. Uh, Hoadley, what, uh, what were your thoughts on that match? Yeah, it looked like a great atmosphere. Uh, and another close one there. Um, yeah, interesting. I think um, 
Nola, um, obviously the star of the show is Dominguez, right? I mean, I'm not sure James Farfelli, I, I don't know if he got a call from his mum or he had a toilet break during the uh, video review last week because maybe he didn't see the Dominguez try against Legion. Um, uh, and uh, he'd done the same thing earlier in the year against uh, New England. So I'm not sure what's happening there. You, you can't tackle up high. You can't go up there. He's absolutely lethal. You've got to go low on him. Um, but another great try from him. Uh, it was interesting. Utah uh, um, changed their uh, setup from set piece. They put Shorty in the backfield. So you end up with uh, Varfili and uh, Mika Cruze on the edge. So you should have enough pace to deal with that threat. Um, but you, I mean, you, you can't deal with any threat if you miss one up tackles. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. They hide Shorty, but then uh, later they did the uh, Nola did the line out trick play at the front where the O'Toole. <laughs> Do you see O'Toole steamed over him? I love that conversation. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that wasn't like, a try. But it's like, we're going to, don't worry to the to the fly hut. We'll hide you at the back. We'll protect you. And then all of a sudden you see Pat O'Toole steaming down at you. And even worse than that, it was pulled back. So he didn't even need to. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was brave, but he, he, he didn't. He was a bit of a speed bump there. So, um, and just on that note, Corbs, I mean, I mean, you would have loved that performance by uh, Pat O'Toole, right? Yeah, absolute steamroll. And then I thought he did really well to take that ball yeah. off the back and caught the overthrow that they try to exit with Utah. Um, I, you know, they, they use that play a lot. And, and to read that as instead of the guy racing up, you know, going, you know, from the, the chase line that sometimes tries to fly up, that's at a bit of a disadvantage with the 10 meters to the five that Utah have the actual tail gunner getting up there and, and, and everything I thought was quite clever and, 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 and a nice try from them. And then... You know, Utah on a whole, like, mate, I love Mika Cruze and Mikey Teo out in, in the wide channels together. And and I, and I think that's something Gary Gold's probably going to have to start to look at. When you talk about X-Factor and threats, that, that is a handful there for Teo's try. It, it, they go they go wide in their in their own half and they get the ball out there. And it, it's Mika, I think, who offloads to Teo. Then, you know, the, the Teo show of just him just... He, he just looks, it's just so good because he's a stocky square player, but he's just so rapid and so electric. You're just watching him almost like, it does, he makes it look so easy when he goes round people, like when he line breaks. It's unbelievable. I, I loved it. And, you know, I thought Nola did a good job of winning this game because this game could have gone either way. I think they took the key tries at times. I thought Nola were poor at times. Defensively, if you actually look on that, Mikey Teo break uh, on try. Nola all over the place defensively on that try. I, me I meant yeah. to say it as you look yeah. at the tape, but the def they're at sixes and sevens. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it, it was unbelievable the, the defensive picture they gave to give that try. But on a whole, if I look at the game, you know that Nola driving more and and the the tight game that they're developing is getting them out of jail in games that are getting tighter and. Uh, and, and it's not always the sort of play from anywhere style, which is actually giving them a reward. Yeah, it's interesting talking about um, that Utah Teo try uh, when Nola were just backing off because they, they actually, um, they had a goal line defence. We talked about it last week where they, they backed off Cecil Africa twice on their goal line um, and Dirksen and uh, Rogers just just were running backwards. You can't do it on your goal line. And, and they actually had a beautiful moment where um, they did shoot through on their goal line um, Dominguez and uh, Rogers came up right on the goal line and left the last man. Sometimes you have to leave the last attacker. Leave the last attacker, pressure the second last attacker and force the error. And Rogers, he, he even could have got a, an interception there. Um, but yeah, just um, 
just on Utah, I mean, you talked about an over. They they overthrew so many lineouts. I think they lost six lineouts. They overthrew to O'Toole in uh, the Nola twenty two. Then Nola go all the way down the the length of the pitch, and they overthrow for, to him for a try. They overthrew to to you know when you're sitting on the bench, lads. I don't know. It wouldn't happen to you. You, you two didn't sit on the bench much in your career. But from one of my many experiences of sitting on the bench, you know, like someone in your position would do, like score a try, do, and you're like, oh, what? That's easy. They would have tackled. They would have tried harder to tackle me or something. <laughs> but like in this instance, Eric Howard was watching uh, Pat just getting all these overthrows. He came. They threw two to him as well. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. They just kept doing the same thing. Like Utah were just shooting themselves in the foot. It was absolutely bizarre. Um, so they struggled to stay in it, and it was a strange game because you've got those uh, Nola commentators who are like normally like the biggest like home commentators you'll ever hear. They're basically che- yeah, cheering everything that Nola do and calling them all by the first names and all the rest of it, and you know wondering if they go drink with them afterwards. And they were they they were getting on the Nola team and going, oh, it's a capitulation kick, and what are they doing? And they're they're not getting numbers to the cleaners. And that was kind of what it was like. It was like Nola aren't playing well here. Um, but yeah, they got some freebies. Uh, Dominguez does his thing. Um, and then ultimately, you know, it's from the, it was actually from the Damien Stevens uh, box kick. It was a great chase. Um, and ultimately, they just, it was a numbers game. They, they played fast ball and Rogers got the fourth try uh, to put it out of reach for Utah. But a funny game. Uh, and again, probably one that just gives you pause and thinks, uh, uh, makes you think these guys are right up there in the mix, but if they lost two or three games in a row, would it surprise me? No. You know they, they they got it on the table, but it's it's those reasons which lead me to to have question marks over them at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think you summed up the game. But the really table well. doesn't lie. I mean, we we kind of look stupid. Exactly, exactly. And that's in, and you're at the top, and you're saying, I mean, a big missed opportunity for Utah. They could have gone clear in second, well clear in second. So. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it shakes up for these two teams. I think the saving grace for Nola is, is Coleman and Mayer coming back in. That's, that, that's huge for them. It's, it's not the first time that Utah's, you know, let some soft tries go or, or you know, dropping the ball. But, I mean, here's a stat for you. Since you're saying look at the table, um, I mean, Utah has, you know, 10 bonus points, more bonus points than anyone else in, in either conference. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're scoring tries getting the four plus tries more and when they're losing they're losing with seven or less so they're getting those they're, they're getting those points they're getting their points and ticking over and that's what's helping them a lot more i mean they have they have less uh, and that's probably the difference between austin and them is is it is the difference is uh, is those bonus points that they're that they're collecting yeah i mean it's going to be fascinating to see the battle of the, the top 4 in the west now over the coming weeks and the games where they play each other, that they're going to be almost like playoff games that's, before the playoff games. Basically, yeah, exactly. We had DC Old Glory traveling down to Houston in a rainy, rainy game, um, and they came away with a good win, twenty-one to thirteen. Hodes, talk to me about this. Yes, a classic English battle, a classic English battle where you think really some of the fans might want a bit of money back after the game. Um, but uh, it's, it's interesting to see the different tactics, especially we don't get too many of these games here in MLR. Um, and I think the key thing here, really, if you look at it, Robertson controlled the game and that was the difference, right? Because Robertson at 10 uh, for the OGs, if you look at some of these exchanges from halfway again, he's sensible, he puts a bomb up early. 
Windsor catches it really well, but then forces a turnover. I mean, you don't want to force those offloads in those areas of the field. Otherwise, you're inviting pressure. From that from that position, uh, Robertson then goes, makes a, a show and go and makes a line break and it, it, because he's attacking from the right areas of the field. Um, same with uh, halfway, Robertson puts a beautiful uh, diagonal kick in that Houston can't field on the uh, full, gets great field position. Um, and that gets the field position then for the Tusitala try. Obviously, they get lucky, but you know what's going to be good line uh, attack in a game like this is going to be line out attacks close to the line. He gets lucky and Tusitala scoops it up, and then little things like Houston kick. Then from uh, OG score a penalty, Houston kick off reset kick off, kick off start. Houston kick straight out into touch. No, sorry, they're ahead of the kicker. How can you be ahead of the kicker? on a game like this, where it's going to be a field position, it's going to be a defense and field position game. They're ahead of the kicker. So if, if you get a scrum halfway because they're ahead of the kicker, what, what are you going to do? You're the attacking team now. What are you going to do with that ball? Corbs, answer the question. If I get a scrum, I'm going to play off that scrum and kick back down and pin 100%. you in your own half. So always let you play out again <laughs> and feed yeah. off the errors. So they go like, eight, nine. <laughs> They kick it diagonal right in behind and from, from a Houston kickoff where they should be chasing the ball into the 22, they're now running back to their own 22. I mean, things like that, it just you just can't account for that on a game like this when it's going to be that sort of game. Then Houston had a chance late with uh, Balakana uh, dropped a, a looping ball where he, he saw the defenders coming to him. They, they got the try from Boysom, but then... Um, they get the red card. Like, but just before the red card, Dabula scores a, a good try for the OGs. They get the, uh, the red card. Fana Schultz uh, tackling the air. He gets sent off. Um, and for the next 10 minutes, straight after that, again, Robertson wins a kick battle with Windsor. Right? And that was their chance. And for the next 10 minutes, they don't get the ball in into the uh, OGs half. And like that, that kind of sums it up. And... You kind of have to look at Houston at the moment, just the organisation. They, they, there's been four seasons of MLR. In season one, they won one game and finished last. In season two, they won six games and finished seventh out of nine. And the sixth, they won four games right at the end of the season under Paul Emmerich when playoff contention was gone. The third season, they won one game and finished last. So they finished last, third last, last, and at the moment, they're second last. And they won one game, six games, one game, and two games this year. So, like, again, and, and when you look at these small incidents in games like this, it's kind of like they, they have showed promise in different ways this year. That The attack was good, then the defence was good. But you've got to start winning games at some point. So you, you, you definitely can't contribute those, uh, those to the facilities because they are doing something special down there. And that's what I'm saying, Todd. They've got everything. They've got everything. They, you know, there's a big player pool there. Um, there's got the facilities, they've been backed by the owner. When we first started MLR, you remember they had like a 16 game preseason. Everyone else had like one game if they could cobble together 15 players. And they were the massive favourites going into season one with all, all the financial backing they had behind them. And um, yeah, they've got to, yeah, they've got to have a serious look at, uh, at the di direction there. And again, there has been some brilliant moments in this season, but when you look at the the legacy of the work there, uh, something something's not going right. I, I agree, mate. I, I think you know it wasn't a it was a terrible game to watch in the rain. Um, 
I think you just got you got to you got to criticize some of Houston's attack and and some of the you know when they have front football when they get an armchair ride in the forwards they actually look all right at times they you know they've they, they've got Balakana and and you know causing havoc out there Boyer on the front foot is quite a handful I think the rain slowed them down and then I fact the fact that they couldn't really get the set piece dominance at scrum time you know, round of applause for, for, for old glory. To go down there and scrum well against Houston is not easy. And I thought they were phenomenal at scrum time for a lot of that game. Um, there was one puzzling around the, on the 58 minute. I, I wish the ref mics would work better at times because you can't tell what the hell is going on at times. But it looked like old glory had a fantastic, you know, absolutely drove them off the park. Then the referee said it. Then they did it again. And then he yelled at them. And then all of a sudden Houston had a scrum. And then Houston drilled, and then Old Glory drilled Houston on their own ball, and then they got it back yeah, yeah. and got the penalty. And it was yeah. just like, they should have just got the penalty yeah. off the first scrum. And I, I, honestly, I know I'm a Noors, I love scrums, but no ref, Mike. I was literally rewinding, trying to decipher what happened. So if anyone or any of our viewers know or anyone knows, please fill me in or DM me or comment on one of our posts because I'd love to know what actually happened. Yeah, some of the OG boys might want to write in for that one. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, But, you know, a good job by them. And again, that keeps them in it. They would have been out. They probably would have been out if they lost that one. So um, good on them. And again, it is, it's hard to travel and, and, and get the results. So they, they, they did exactly what they needed to do. So well done to the OGs there. And, uh, and Jason Robertson, who controlled the game really and, well. And are we saying uh, goodbye to Houston for this year for the playoffs again? Is that, uh, we, we already assume that one? Well, uh, here, put it this way. Can you imagine if Boyer wasn't there? Yeah. Oh. Because he, he he's made a huge positive and impact. And, and without him, I, you know, I, I dread to think, and you're wondering where the next wing comes from. So um, it'll probably be next week against Legion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll bet you gillies, a cold gillies for that one. New England versus New York. New York Rooney went up 29-19. But uh, I know Corbs. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this one over to you, Corbs. But I have to lead it up to you. I gotta I gotta I gotta set you up. How about that mall? I mean, it was 37 meters to the breakaway to the try. I mean, I, are we are we popping the gillies? Are we? What are we? What are we doing? I mean, you know, we'll get into the score the rest of the game. But I just want to you know set that up because I knew that you were sliding over your chair for that game that that try. Todd's absolutely stealing my thunder, but absolutely. And then while we're here, actually, Todd, that happens to be the Gillies try of the week. So let's get that segment out of the way. I'll sit my Gillies quick. Walking billboard. All right. Just while we're on the New York versus New England game, this try of the week, there's a Free Jacks theme coming on with these tries, but is the camaraderie try off of that devastating 30 meter mall. They absolutely get it rolling, get down to the bottom of the field and then camaraderie breaks away like a freight train getting over that line and no one's gonna stop him from there, the big powerful ball carrier. But it's actually the detail behind this try, little things that I love. They get the nice mall rolling and watch Larson at the front of the mall. We used to call this the pivot when we were at Northampton Saints and it's a dangerous move. That lock at the front as he's getting it going, as it gets past that like little bit of separation, he then sort of spins with it as it shears off those Rooney's defenders. And as he pivots from facing backwards to facing front, he's left the Rooney's defenders behind. He's joined the mall where he is there. And that allows a sort of severance of the mall there. And that gets it going. So that try by the Free Jacks is this week's Gillies try of the week. 
Enjoy. Stepping outside, there were a lot of there were a lot of big line out drives in that game. <laughs> they kind of had a big impact on the game. It was uh, it was quite interesting to watch them moving at such speed. But um, I think going into the game, obviously Hollingshead, we thought was going to be a huge loss to Rooney. Right, Harry Bennett was brilliant. What a what a uh, way to step in uh, and. Uh, you know, that first half, it's one of the best attacking performances Rooney have had. It was really interesting to see. Um, I'm really glad he got his try in the second half there as well. So he can be very pleased with his effort. Uh, also, something to pick up on the, the try um, in the first half where they, they attacked from a line-out a, a line drive on the right-hand side. And they scored on the left side. It's interesting. In the 22, again, everyone's going to come up with, or everyone should be coming up with big line speed in the 22 to put, put the attack under pressure. Again, you see Rooney went deep, deep, two deep passes. And then Foden, what he did brilliantly was, instead of moving forward onto the ball, he just stood still. If he had taken steps forward on the ball, it would have been a man and ball tackle because the defend if the defender's coming forward and the attacker's going forward, you're obviously getting less and less space between you. So he just stood stock still, held his feet, caught and passed, and he had uh, the space. Uh, he released the space in the corner. So brilliant by Foden. He did it again in the second half for the Thaka Balabu try. Um, so uh, really good touches by Foden. And again, he's he's not. It's not like he's making a, a break of sixty meters every game. But I think he's got like the most offloads in the league because he's always he's always uh, getting an arm tackle, not a shoulder tackle. He just puts him sl a defender slightly off balance, and he he's still very important for that team. Um, and then just other, on some other players, I think it's worth a note, like uh, Joe Johnston, Conradi, uh, and Cara Pryor, the back rows. Th th those boys can play. They're really, they're really good fun to watch. And Bonasso, mate. Of course. I thought Bonasso was back. fantastic. Easy, easy that offload. Oh, beautiful. It, exactly. Yeah. Silky moves. I'm a yeah, big yeah. fan of his. The height he has, the offloads, the yeah. work rate. He is definitely uh, one to watch out there as well. And, and I thought it was a good tussle. I thought Rooney did well to finish their tries on the edge uh, the couple times they scored them. And I think on big picture, when you look at Rooney, you know, no Hollingshead at 10. Went Harry Bennett at 10, playing a team like the Free Jacks, which are quite a tactical, sort of savvy team. And for them to still get the win with not their starting 10 there, I thought was a big bonus and a, and a good sign for Rooney as well. That they're starting to find themselves, that it wasn't like you take one piece out and now the whole thing unravels, which I felt a little bit when Andy Ellis wasn't playing in that Toronto game, they capitulated a bit. Well, I know he was playing this time, but I, I thought that was positive to yeah, see Yeah, and I think well. we mentioned it a few weeks ago. Of, you remember we were talking a while back, like they, they, why did they play so much from so deep against Nola and not change and they got battered there? And there were other games where their tactics seemed a bit strange, but we thought, are they just at the point where they're thinking, no, no, we're going to try a few different things and it, and then we'll find our form later in the season. Um, and the interesting thing, they play, we, we talk about ATL and Austin playing really organised, really consistent structure. Rooney will take a quick um, kickoff where Bennett will just knock it 10 metres and get it himself. Uh, they'll take quick taps. They'll do a nice flat kickoff and uh, Thakablavu will go up and win it. Um, they try different things. They change the tempo of the game and they play a very, very different style to ATL, um, to uh, Austin, to some of these organizations. And actually, it gives them uh, it gives them something difficult when you're when you're prep prepping for a team like that. 
you've got to be very, very aware because they can go from anywhere, but they can still play the grind out game. And they showed against LA, they can really defend in the big games too. So I think they've got a lot of bows to their string there. Marty, um, Marty's doing a good job with them. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop f- through to the competing for the playoff spots. Well, I know that they're, uh, they're, they watch the show, I mean, players and staff, because, uh, you know, last week we talked about them not being able to cross that whitewash to score a five-pointer, to score a try. But, uh, you know, they finally, uh, you know, came together. They wanted to prove us wrong. And so, well done, uh, well done, New York. Got the victory. Got some tries. Yeah, you've got to think, You've got to think that the week before, the coaches probably forgot to tell them to score tries. So, you know, that, that remind, you know it's probably good to have that reminder now and again. He's probably just like, the Fed like fuck, lads. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they forgot. And this time he's like, oh, actually score some tries. But no, last, uh, you know, comment on this game for me, I thought Mike Petrie on the sideline was fantastic. I thought, I thought his information, his sideline stuff, uh, he's already comfortable on tv as well i thought he's a real asset to the broadcast as well so quick shout out for that because i think he deserves it yeah new york legend that's what's cool about it you've got an actual legend new york accent he's on the sideline he knows the game knows the players he's giving you insightful bits of tidbits from the sideline i thought it was bang on and i I was a big fan of it i I like the girl and alex and the way they do it because i think it's quite funny and i really like the content they do with her where she actually goes and does stuff with the players on social media but in game I, I really did like Petri there yeah I know he usually commentates for them I think he's been great there but as a sideline I'm, I'm a big fan too Atlanta the, the the BC Atlanta boys finally left uh, left home and traveled to the west to the northwest of Seattle and uh, came away with a big victory 25 to 6 uh, man it's, it's tough to watch Seattle uh, perform the way that they're performing and uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, is probably the dagger uh, for them not to make the make the playoffs. But uh, Atlanta going strong. Hodes, uh, I know you got some information on this game. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like about Atlanta, isn't there? I mean, uh, they've got a very, very good MLR game plan. They all understand it. They know uh, how to execute their roles. And you've got to take it as a really good sign when there's somewhat of an inevitability about what's going to happen in the game. And like, we know what they're going to do and they're bloody good at it. It's hard to stop them. Um, So look, I think, you know, the first and and they're playing some lovely uh, attack as well. The first try uh, by Azkura, who's been very, very good through the season. Uh, beautiful line coming off keys uh, with the tip ball. Great try. But if we go back and see how do they get the source possession of that, it's it's a tale of Atlanta. So what happened was they were defending in their 22. Uh, they fought, they forced a turnover or Seattle dropped the ball, uh, which if you've got a very, very good organised defence and you're constantly coming up, you'll see that teams actually end up dropping the ball a lot more, which even LA did a little bit against Austin. So um, they turn the ball over. They kick it straight away. They Waitokia screams up on the kick chase like a rabbit. He, he's just going to put pressure on. It doesn't matter if he misses the tackle or not because the second wave of defenders will get him. Okay, so they chase up. They force another turnover. And then they go wide and then they score. So it's turnover, kick chase, turnover, play from turnover. And you can bet that this team is practicing a lot of attack from turnover rugby and from uh, kick returns and from loose ball because they are planning to create those opportunities. They're not defending to defend, they're defending to get the ball back and attack. And it's absolute class how they're putting it together. Um, 
And then just some other things, uh, sorry, to pick up in that game. Momsen, his try, again, really, really good rugby. They went out the back twice, again, when they're going on the width. Uh, to, to get the space, then they broke down the right-hand side. That was from a kick return as well. Again, tells you about how they're playing. And then they add the, the icing, they score the line-out drive and then to show that they can, you know, they're very good from those situations as well, uh, as, as, of course, as you were talking about last week. And then the, the icing on the cake is the beautiful little kick-through for Kalsay, uh for Ezkura at the end of the game. And, and, and again, kalsay has been outstanding. 15 or 10, he's a bloody live wire. Um and uh, as a defender, you can't take your eyes off him, but he's still finding kick space. He's still drip distributing. So your ideal triple threat there at Playmaker. No, I, I, I agree, mate. I, I think you've nailed Atlanta. I think if you look at Seattle, if you look at just a scoreline, it's not an impressive performance. But I, I actually feel like they deserve some credit that they are a much better side now than they were earlier in the season. They're just playing better sides too. So it's like almost too little too late in some aspects. But, you know, the change at 10 is giving them a bit more direction. Uh, the change at Loosehead has shored up their scrum a little bit. I, I, I think, um, you know, they just, they actually controlled a lot of the game. Like at halftime, they had... Uh, they had they won the territory battle against Atlanta, which which most teams don't do. Obviously, most teams win the possession battle because that's how Atlanta want to play. But the territory battle, they're actually winning. There was so much of that game; they were actually in Atlanta's half. Just couldn't like didn't have that last gear or layer to really sort of uh, you know reward themselves for that, and that's what they got punished for. I thought Atlanta did a very good job of containing them when they got down there. I think Atlanta's kicking game, their defense, the layers is bang on. And then I love the way they can just, once they get to the 22, they can either be direct with just brute force of, of just big ball carriers, like South African-esque sort of rugby on the front foot that creates, or they can put those clegg of the kicks behind and it wouldn't be an Atlanta game without a kick through and a regather try at the moment. It, it's madness for them. And, and, and I just felt like, you know, they are a real team and it's these sort of themes which make me pick them as one of my front runners in the East because I think when it actually comes down to it and it's all on the line, it's those sort of things that will carry them through in some big games that probably get them into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. They know exactly what they're about. And um, But just a, a note on Seattle there, you were talking about, if you look at the start of the game, right, they put the team sheets up. That's a good Seattle team on paper. That's a bloody good team. Uh, Peltzer came back in. They've got Landry come in. Metcher's back fit. Um, and you look on the bench, there's Brad Tucker. There's Barton coming on. They were both very good when they came off the bench. That's a decent team. But but And again, we say they're playing better, but context is that they're not a good team. You know, they're the worst team in the country at the moment. They uh, were attacking against two... There were two yellow cards in the last 20 minutes. Uh, and they couldn't find a way. It was very much uh, one off again, and it was, too, it was just too easy for for Atlanta, Atlanta to close out the game. Um, it, again, kind of like you, they have got better. There's no doubt they've got better in the last few weeks. Again, if they'd have beaten Rooney, um, they would could have really got some momentum because then they beat Legion as well. Um, but uh, it was just when 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 you struggle against two yellow cards at the end of the game when you're trying to get back in and, and don't score any points after the what 19th minute. That's tough to take with the amount of talent on the cards there. Um, and just just one other note, uh, on the Atlanta defence, I think huge credit has to go to the scrum halves. That might sound funny. You've got um, Ryan Goose, who's come back into the team after injury in the last few weeks. 
he is pivotal in that defense so there's it's it's really interesting to see his role he he'll start a couple of meters behind the line and he has license to sprint out in front of everyone and pressure the playmaker because all playmakers all, all playmakers want great playmakers have time on the ball and they have they, they it looks easy they play in a little bubble they distribute distribute kick space and then when you when you back off them and then bang they play with te- they play with tempo running so they go slow so slow, slow and then bang they're gone and then they'll attack the line gitto does it brilliantly uh, and times it but if you've constantly got some little rat running at you like uh, in the kindest and most complimentary way all uh, good scrum halves are little rats uh, apart from boyer he's a big rat but um Ryan Goose is just in his face all day, pressuring every pass. And sometimes he'll he'll also leg tackle the, the playmaker just as they're making the pass. Then they've got to get back up and get back in the game. Um, and there was one passage of play where he actually got up and pressured twice and it ended up in a turnover. He's brilliant. And obviously it's something they drilled because then Van Schalkwick came on at the end and he did the exact same job. And it's pressure, pressure, pressure. That's what breaks attacks down. So that's a, 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 a small but very significant thing that Atlanta are doing to, to, to break up the rhythm of the attacking team. I'm, uh, I, you know, well done on the analysis on that. And you guys didn't even bring up, uh, you know, decaf or, or caffeinated drinks between the two teams. So uh, <laughs> that's a wrap. That is a wrap of round yeah, um, And uh, you know what? It's just exciting times. I'm glad that we touched on, you know, what's happening with the conferences, where it is, the strengths, uh, the not so strengths and our predictions of it. So we'll see uh, in just a matter of a few weeks. Who's uh, who's right? And the the beauty is we could be made to look very very stupid. <laughs> and that's Each week, want. mate, you just that's never know. Exactly you never know. Uh, absolutely. And uh, no, I think that was a great show. Uh, I think we. I think it was good. Round ten is in the books. Thank you to everyone for listening or watching us, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or the Rugby Network. We really appreciate all your support. Keep an eye out this week as well. On Wednesday, we will be dropping Eagle Watch, which has Nate Ebner. Yes, Nate Ebner, USA Rugby Sevens, Patriots Super Bowl winner, current New York Giants, currently back with the US Sevens, trying to get his way to Tokyo. Tune into that show. It's a real good sit-down interview about his book, which has come out, finished strong, which I recommend you all to get. It's a fantastic read. It's a rugby book. It's a family dad storybook. It's so many layers to it. Please check it out. We're going to talk through it on the show. It's an absolute belt of an interview with my fiance and USA Women's Sevens co-captain Abby Gostaitis. It's much watched TV. For all of you, thanks for your support. Thanks for tuning in. Keep supporting us on social at, at the American Rugby Show on Instagram, at the Am Rugby Show on Twitter. We really appreciate it. Favorite, reshare, tweet, subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. The more growth we have, the more ability we are to take sponsors on and keep growing our reach and produce more content for you. So thanks for everyone for tuning in and we'll see you again this week. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.